Hello, everybody, and welcome to Connected Knowledge on True Story FM. I'm Pete Wright. This week on the show, we're talking about BPO's business process outsourcing for keeping up with strong employment engagement initiatives. To help us better understand the lay of the BPO land in this surprising space, maybe, we've got a slam dunk guest. At the top of the list of Luke Jameson's many credentials, he's a customer experience maven and has much to teach about how the BPO relationship can enhance relationships all around. He's also author of soon-to-be-released book, More Sense, Less Incentive, and a solutions architect right here at Upland. Luke, welcome to Connected Knowledge. Thanks, Pete. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you here. I, uh, first of all, great to meet you. Heard so much about you and eager to, to be your humble student in this land of BPOs. First, when I think of BPOs, I think of uh, big manufacturing organizations, right? They're sending out major parts of their manufacturing operations to outsourcers. Give me a framework for how we're supposed to think about BPOs in the land of employee engagement. That's a, that's a good question. And I think the the reality is that BPOs are experts in their field. They've found a niche where they can absolutely do the same thing over and over again at a, at a lower cost with all the newest technology and do that for you as if it's your own. That is where their, their key strength is from, from a BPO. It's not that big manufacturer churn and burn. It is absolutely diving into something that they're passionate about and doing it really, really well. For years, at least from, you know, from a development uh, perspective, insourcing, I thought, was all the rage, right? Let's take control of 100% of what we need to control to build these relationships. Sounds like we're going the other way. Well, it's a bit of uh, opposites attract, I think, at the moment. So if we think about what's happened in the world in the last couple of years, you're right. Everyone was, let's take control. Let's bring that in. However, what, what we saw is we saw this, this big, particularly here in the APAC region, we saw a lot of contact center work going overseas. So we would see big numbers of roles, 5,000 roles heading overseas into the Philippines um, per company. And what then happened across the pandemic is everyone had to work from home. And all of a sudden, we realized that there wasn't this infrastructure there to support that at the time. And so everyone was like, quick, quick, bring it all back on shore. Let's let's make sure that we're able to control this and we can take calls and do all the things that we need to do. The challenge with that is at the time when, when a lot of roles went offshore, and I'm sure this is the same globally, when everything went offshore, there was a bit of uproar about it. Oh, the jobs are going overseas kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, nationalist panic, right? Yeah. yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. However, now that everything's coming back on shore post uh, during that, that pandemic, what we've found is that there is not enough people to service all of these roles. So all of a sudden, right across the industry, we are seeing massive amount of churn, massive amount of work trying to drive, uh, attract people to work in these in these organizations and the way to attract them is by creating a great employee engagement uh, a great employee experience so we've gone from offshoring to, to now onshoring we've gone from insourcing now to outsourcing again the whole purpose around this is that we are trying to figure out how do we drive massive engagement in an environment which historically 
has a lot of churn and is seen as an entry-level role. And and doing so at a scale that I, I imagine, uh, check me when I start lying, doing so at a scale that is largely unprecedented, both in terms of what we're trying to recruit toward and the fact that so, to your point, so many of these people are working outside of infrastructure that we're used to, right? This isn't, this isn't your call center. Exactly, exactly. So this is, this is the other piece, is that this is not about the outsourcing space. And I think historically, a lot of people have thought about outsourcing because of a cost. So particularly, particularly in contact centers, they're seen, often seen as a cost center. Right now in the, in the current lay of the land, it's not really about cost. And although, although we're seeing, you know, a lot of, a lot of economic disturbance right now, and everyone's a bit worried about, you know, are we going to, are we going to end up in, you know, in trouble with all of, you know, what's happening around the world financially. It's not that the big reason for outsourcing at the moment, from what I've seen, is that it's around the the fact that this employee engagement and attraction is a massive burden. So I was recently talking to uh, quite a large recruiter here in Australia, and they've got a sweet spot as well. So if unemployment sort of hits that 5% kind of mark, their world speeds up quite a lot. If it gets to, say, 3%, their world is super quiet. And so there's a sweet spot in in there somewhere. Yeah. Now, right now, unemployment uh, here in Australia is around that 3% mark. And so what we're finding is that internally within organisations, within these big enterprises, they're fighting for talent. And it's taking a huge amount of effort. Then on the other side of things of creating this great employee experience and driving employee engagement. And we'll talk about what employee engagement you know, looks like, what great employee engagement looks like. But to do that well requires a huge lift and a huge amount of effort. And I think organizations are at this point where they're saying, well, do we have the, the resources to, to be able to do this? And can someone do that better? And can we stop worrying about having to find great talent? Can we just give that to somebody else? And if they've got a great culture and they can look, feel, sound and, and align with our purpose, then why are we absolutely killing ourselves to try and to try and build this? So let's transition then to functionally what a, a best-in-class employee engagement organization looks like, right? What and and I think it's it, you bring up the employee engagement and attraction burden. That's a that's a new way for me to think about that. So, how do these initiatives help address the shortfall in employee engagement? I think historically, what we've what we hear as a common term is reward and recognition, and that is then defined as our employee engagement strategy. And what happens is when we lump those two things together, we think they are the same thing and they are completely different. So to reward someone is is an extrinsic thought process. It's you do this, you get that. And it becomes this tick for tack kind of approach. And extrinsic is loud, but it doesn't last long. And yet, that is what we approach for the most part as our, our way of engagement. 
recognition, on the other hand, is, is something completely different. It's taking a moment to appreciate somebody. It's taking that moment to to recognize that they have achieved achieved a goal. They've, they've reached a milestone. And that intrinsic motivation is way more powerful. It's very quiet, but it lasts so much longer. And organizations who are, who are completing, who are doing really great best practice employee engagement are really focused on that intrinsic. They are having cultures of appreciation. They're having, they're, they're, the reward is something that is just a, a, something in the background. And the idea of having this, this intrinsic motivation goes beyond just appreciation recognition. What is it within humans that, that is actually getting us up in the morning? What is it that's keeping us motivated? And motivation in itself is is quite interesting. Motivation can't be always, always on. And this is the thing that we try and do with reward. It's like, okay, people, are, our motivation's dropping. Let's just throw more reward at it. You know, we get that small dopamine hit. But then what happens is the next time we give that reward, the dopamine hit isn't quite as much. So we need to do a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. We throw It doesn't take long for it to become trite. Exactly. Exactly right. Yeah. And, you know, when we start thinking about those other, you know, even little things like, Oh great! So I got a gift card for all the work that I've just done. Like whoop de doo! It just it just no longer feels feels like it's got any meaning. And so then having to think about what is it that motivates humans? We we have an incredible need for purpose. So we are, we are purpose driven beings in everything we do. And so we we're we're seeking this sense of purpose. We're seeking a sense of meaning in what we do. Uh, and so that's that's a huge part, I think, of where contact centers have missed is connecting. What is it that I do? What is it of picking up this phone call that is actually has any meaning or any impact? And how does that align with the purpose of our organization? How does that align with my purpose? And we miss that. And we do that from the get-go. So what happens is you see contact center roles online and what is the first thing it says? This is an entry-level role, a stepping stone in your career. We say all of these things of like low skills needed. And then as an industry, everyone goes, why are we churning people? Why are they moving on so fast? Well, you told them from the beginning. <laughs> told them to. <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually fascinating because we've it's it's not just from the beginning of an individual job placement. It's a this is a generational sort of lack of appreciation for the role of a cult center. They've been fungible from jump, right? Mm -hmm. This is a replaceable resource, and I think it's so fascinating to hear you talk about not just the reward economy, right? That extrinsic. We'll shout it from the rooftop that you've been here for two years and give you a watch. But the emotional economy of we value you and your strengths by giving you agency and control in your career with us in this mm -hmm. in this role. And I'm curious how how do contact centers make the jump from we're fungible to we have value beyond the sum of all these parts? Yeah, you, you mentioned something there, Pete. The the aspect of control, and for a long time, contact centers have been all about delivering on you do it this way read this script meet these kpis and these kpis are driven down to the these microseconds and they have no meaning on the on the individual you don't see the the impact that 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 flow on has 
and you feel like you have no control. And that sense of autonomy and ownership is also another massive driver for employee engagement. So best practice where I see contact centers doing really, really well in engagement is that they're giving up that control. They're giving autonomy to their agents. They're, they're allowing them to treat the role as if it's their own business. And all of a sudden, when you have that ownership, you have a very different perspective on how you would how you would approach it. So this is, this is something that I'm seeing a, a massive shift in. And that is where you see that is where you see some of these BPOs really starting to excel because they have their entire business is focused around one thing, which is customer service and you know taking phone calls, doing live chats, doing emails. These are the processes that they're used to. They know the process, but now they're all just focused on, and they've refined those processes down to a fine art. Now the focus is on, let's find the right individuals and let's show them how we connect what someone does to the to the out near the output. What that looks like is realizing that that every single interaction that you have with a customer has impact. You're, you're, you have, this is going to sound dramatic, but you have the ability to change someone's life, you know, and it's probably really easy to put in a scenario where it's like an emergency services call and sure, right, of course, but what about even just the day to day, you know, someone working in a banking institution, I had to call my bank this week because uh, going through the process of, of a home loan, the information that I got on that call changed how I thought about what I was going to do. The information I got has switched uh, that whole trajectory I was on. And that literally has changed my life in a way. Now, I don't know if that agent knows that or not, but that... But you kind of hope they do, right? You kind of hope that they recognize they are frontline messenger for the brand. Exactly. That's exactly right. And and they are. They are the, the keepers of the brand. And we forget that so often. We forget that so often. Well, we forget that in the context of as as a customer, right? It's so easy to look at the, oh, they're just entry level, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But as you say, they just change the way you take your steps forward on an incredibly like valuable investment in your life. That's in, exactly. that's that's a powerful, that's power is what it is, right? That's uh, that's a lot of power. So I think the question is, and, I, and I'm curious, you, you know, I know you have had experience at a call center yourself, right? You've mm-hmm. worked in a call center. I'm curious how, your thinking has has evolved since your personal call center experience. How is that? How does that influence your work today, helping to define the call center of the future? Sure. So, so look, one of the things that I always noticed when I was running contact centers, and and it comes down to this autonomy, sense of autonomy and ownership, is that how do you how do you provide that? Why do you want to provide that? And what happens is we ha- we create this expectation gap very early on in the onboarding process. So when we bring somebody on, we say, we're going to train you. You're going to, you know, you're going to go through three weeks worth of training. You're going to come out. You're going to be ready to take your first call. I remember my first call. I remember my fingers shaking as I go to push the button. I was so nervous. I was uh, full of, full of fear and I didn't feel ready. And by way of background, like I didn't come from a corporate background. I was a baker and pastry chef. So, so this was a huge transition for me to, to all of a sudden be sitting at a desk and, and taking a phone call, which doesn't sound like it's a, a difficult job, but it is immensely stressful. 
So there was this huge expectation gap in myself of what I thought I, I was told I'd be ready. I did not feel ready. And I was ready to quit. And we see that right across the industry. That has not changed in 20 years. People are the highest proportion of, of when people leave is during the induction because they get to the, or just after induction because they've realized they don't feel ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, and instead of pushing back on the organization saying, teach me, they just leave. Fungible resources, they can leave. Exactly, exactly. And so knowledge management, I found, was a huge part for that. And, and knowledge management is, I think, the key to reducing some of that that expectation gap because in the past, you didn't, when, when I first started contact centers, you didn't have a, a knowledge management system. It was a folder that you would sit there and flip through. Yeah, and, right. <laughs> But now you see the power of that because you don't need to then teach someone to know every single thing. You don't have to spend six weeks in a con- in, in a uh, induction to to know everything. And then when you get out on the floor, you don't have to know everything. You just need to know where to go. And so when I, when I was then running contact centers, for me, how do we reduce that that expectation gap? And that was definitely around knowledge management. We've seen how how knowing where to go, being able to get the right answer at the right time for the right person boosts your confidence as an agent. And then when you're as an agent feeling confident, you then stop thinking about the process and you start to think about the person at the other end and make a true connection. And then the customer's getting the right thing, right? They're then feeling engaged. Uh, They're feeling like uh, they're feeling confident that you know what you're talking about. They're less likely to call back. It's this massive flow and effect that we that we see in this space. So I think that that's definitely if we're going to think about what is it that that BPOs can do to win, then I think you're really investing in something like knowledge management and giving, which is not about investing in in technology, um, although that the technology is is the enabler. It's investing in your people and investing in their knowledge, their confidence, and investing in your customer. So. It's a, it's a huge way. You would really think about why you're doing that. This is one of my favorite subjects, this idea that we are able to, as you say, that with the enabling technology in place, we're able to take people who might see themselves in a fungible job, right? Who might have such a low opinion of what they're doing with their lives right now and give them the agency to feel like, yeah, there's opportunity, there's potential career growth. There is, you know, I, I recognize I can live up to performance initiatives that are set up. I know that I can be trained to do more things because... I don't necessarily have to feel like I'm drowning in the folder of, of loose leaf pages to figure out the answer. I, I don't have to feel like I'm drowning. Let's, let's then dig into a little bit of the enabling technology that allows them to get there. As you say, we, we feel, agents often feel like it's, it's not a worthy job. Like it is a worthy job. You know, we, in, instead of sitting there and, and being like, where do you work? I work in a contact center. You know, it's, it's, there should be pride in that because we want to provide that. And, and in order to do that, we need to provide a sense of mastery, that there is some, there is a challenge there that needs to be mastered. In order to do that, how do you master that? You know your job. Let's talk about, so let's talk about the, the technology. A knowledge management system, a good knowledge management system, and that is why I moved from being a, a practitioner and running contact centers to moving into an organization that provides knowledge management systems is because I believe in this this process. I believe in the technology and the fundamental reason as to why it's there. Because 
what we're doing is we're creating knowledge for the right person and for that to be delivered in a really quick and easy way. So I think a lot of people, a lot of organizations mistake knowledge management with a SharePoint, with a SharePoint page. It's like, it's, yes. <laughs> it's, it's no different than a digital flipbook that I used to have. Yeah, right. Flip through as many things as you can, find the index, go to that page, look for the thing, read that massive bulk of text, decipher what I need out of that piece of text, and then put that in layman's terms to the customer. That, that's a process. Read, that read what's in italics on it's, screen. <laughs> well, there's a cognitive load as well in there that you have to, to decipher that and re, reword that. A knowledge management system does that for you. It breaks it down into the most relevant piece of information. It finds that sentence. It finds those italics, brings that to you, and frames it in a way that you don't have to represent that in layman's terms and, and reformat that, and it removes that cognitive load. And again, by removing that that cognitive load, and I see that, I, look, I, I've got a, a six-year-old daughter and she is going through that that early stage of learning where you see her computing you know, numbers and, and working through things on her fingers to, to, to do addition and subtraction. I saw that in her reading, like sitting there spelling each, each single word, the cognitive load, you, you see that happening. But then when it, twi- when it switches, and that's removed and it becomes second nature. The focus is no longer around, you know, pronouncing the word. It's around uh, the expression and creating, bringing life into the story or, and, and it's the same for, it's the same for the, these conversations that we have with people. We take this cognitive load away through things like knowledge management and delivering the right information in bite-sized pieces that's relevant. And all of a sudden, you're having an engaging conversation. All of a sudden, they're putting life into this conversation. They, they're, they're picturing a real person at the end of the phone, not just not just a process that they need to work through. No longer is it focusing on, oh, how do I just get this person off the phone? Where do I find that information quickly? Mm-hmm. It's about, oh, this is the right answer. Let's make sure it's the right for the right reasons, and let's dive in and allows them to then ask probing questions, which... In the past, you probably would never do it. It's just like, answer the question, move on. I don't want to ask probing questions because that's only going to mean I've got to think and find yeah. more pages. So I'm, I'm locked further into the rush of knowledge searching and the panic that exists. I, I love the way you put that. You were reducing the cognitive load. And in a sense, the other side of that is we're, we're enabling more of the emotional connection, more of the brand connection, frankly, which I, I'm, I'm curious your sense as you're working with customers, to what degree uh, business units are, who have engaged in outsourcing are seeing and reaping the results of call centers that have employed these kinds of tools. Yeah, absolutely. Where we where we've seen that shift is that you've got people who are dedicated to the cause. Yeah. Uh, you know, we work with we work with some some really large organisations where we've seen them shift uh, that process to to an outsource. We've seen uh, the outsourcers using technology such as knowledge management. A, a lot of what I've said, we've seen a higher uh, an increase in customer experience, which is what we're all driving for. The number one driver of poor customer satisfaction is that I've got a call back again. So right. 
how do we how do we reduce that? We reduce that by giving them the right information. So let's get that. Let's get the fundamentals right, and that's what knowledge management does. It, it provides you with the right information. That then provides the confidence, which then provides the uh, the customer experience. But then what that also does is it provides the agent some uh, this feeling that they are empowered. It provides them the um, feeling that what they're doing has meaning, it has purpose, it has impact, and all of a sudden they're saying, well. Okay, I'm I'm doing a good job. Actually, this is this this role of of being in a contact center isn't just a stepping stone. This is a this is a career. This is a career in and of itself. I might stick around. It's a bit of a virtuous cycle. As humans, we have a massive thirst for learning. And we want to consume, we want to learn, but we need we often need a catalyst to learn. And so once we once we learn that, so so think about like, hey, I need to change learn how to change a tire quickly. First thing you're going to do is go on YouTube and learn that, figure it out. Sure. We need to create, we create those moments of learning and which is why knowledge management is great. These moments of learning happen because they're, they're uh, incited by the customer. We take that, we find that little micro piece of learning in, in knowledge management, we learn. Once we know that though, we do something really interesting. We start to nurture that learning. We put value around that, that knowledge that we've just taken. When we value something, we tend to we tend to nurture it. So we we, we maybe not a monetary value, but but within ourselves, we start to to create that value. Once we nurture it, we start to then have pride in that knowledge. So we start to we start to put labels around it. We start to say, "Oh, this person is a subject matter expert." Then, when we have those those moments of pride, we then want to invest that back into what we do into into our into our roles. So that's that's kind of a virtuous cycle from a an employee point of view but then from a from a business point of view when we're seeing greater customer experience off the back of somebody who's got great knowledge they're proud of what they do they've stuck around longer we we create this great customer experience okay well now that customer experience drives into us wanting to we're, we're now more profitable as a, as a company we're also profitable because more profitable because we're not having to spend money recruiting more people and finding more people Therefore, what have we got this extra money? We're going to invest that back into our people. And so then this, this, this second virtuous cycle happens and they start to create this, uh, this really entwined environment of success. When we start to think about, okay, are, are we investing? What, why, would we, why would we spend our money buying a knowledge management system? Well, it's not about just this process, refining a process. No, it's about creating a virtuous cycle within our within our environment that's going to drive greater employee engagement greater customer satisfaction and overall business success that is why we do these things i i think we would be remiss if we didn't uh give you a little bit more stage time to talk about the the uh, upland tools that you uh, work with to build these solutions for these call centers um tell us a little bit about about the um the software you love to help invest well the the big reason I joined Upland is that we actually have we actually have two knowledge management products. That is uh, that to me is a huge benefit as as a solutions architect. Uh, I'm not having to create problems that fit the product. I can genuinely listen to the the challenges that an organisation has and find the right product to fit those those situations. Now, the two the two products we have we have uh, Upland Panviva and Upland Right Answers, and the both both products have their own space. So so knowledge management from uh, 
from a Panviva perspective, it's, it's very much focused on that, that contact center space where you've got an agent who uh, is able to needing that needing that information. Uh, within that product, we also have something very clever called a digital orchestrator. And what it does is it takes your core piece of knowledge and then tops and tails that essentially, depending on your channel. So if, maybe if you're a on the on the voice channel, then it's going to give you a different intro and exit. If it's a if you're a chat agent, then you need to have that that information, that core information needs to be uh, much more summarized and and fit for purpose for that channel. Uh, and so, and the website may be different as well. So that that digital orchestrator helps refine that information to the right in the right voice for the right channel uh in relation to the right answer side of things if we think about this from a, a you know a ticket deflection and we think about you know maybe it service desks and um you know where you go and faqs on your website th the right answer side of things gets in there to help with ticket deflection helps with uh customer self-service and, um, you know, I think one of the other cool, the cool things that we've just seen within the Right Answers product is uh, the integration of things like ChatGPT. You know, one of the biggest barriers to entry that I see within organizations around knowledge management systems is to say, oh, the lift of converting all of our information that we have in these folders and in, in SharePoint to, to make that usable within a knowledge management system, it feels like a big lift. Um, if we were to use uh, and we're just in the beta phase of, of the chat GPT side of things. And I know there's a lot of uh, stuff around that, but if you, you can use that to refine that information, say, take, take this big piece of text and refine that down into a process for me. And it automatically moves all of that big A4 word document down into 10 bullet points that are perfect for a contact center. Uh, so, you know, there, there's some really exciting stuff happening in that space. So look, the products that, that we have, um, as I said, being able to have multiple products is is a huge benefit, and to see that that um, development and uh, to, to working these new new technologies into um, these existing processes uh, is very exciting for me. Well, I, I I love that's why I love talking to you about this stuff, man. Because yeah. clearly you have an enthusiasm that is authentic and legitimate. And I wonder for those listening to this, I'm assuming, uh, you know, some portion of our audience has come to this particular episode because they're curious. They're mm. they're being call center curious. Um, let's just say eight o'clock Monday morning, day one, they're ready to to start looking seriously and investing in some of these technologies. What what's the first step? Where do you send them? Look at the go and spend go and spend a day in your agent's shoes. Go and sit there and see the processes that they're doing. Go and see what, how many screens they're having to, to move over to. Go and have a look at how many uh, times they have to reference multiple areas and find, have and, and take note of how often they have to re refine that message uh, and look at the effort that that takes just in, just in that. Forget about cognitive load and all of that. Just think about the time and effort it takes in that particular space. You know, because we know in BPOs, it's all about creating efficiency and they're very good at that. They've, they spend you know, years refining down these processes so that they're super efficient. And as customers, we want that too. As a customer, you want you don't want to be on the phone for hours. 
knowledge management has an incredible way of refining, bringing that, that, that process down into exactly what you need. And that is going to reduce your call time and your call costs. Um, so there's, there's an immediate cost benefit from, from that perspective. But then also think about the people that you've got. Think about how often you have to train them and how many, how many people you have to bring on board. Culture is a set of behaviours repeated. Now, if you want to create a culture of knowledge and a culture of professionals and a culture of, of people who are passionate about customer experience and passionate about what they do, then find the things that drive that sense of purpose, sense of impact, sense of mastery. Knowledge management is the place for that. So um, that the, the first thing I would say is, you know, hey, I'd be, I'd be remiss if I didn't say go and check out the website, go and check out Upland's website and have a look at um, the, the resources that are available on there. Um, and then just have a chat and, and, and see some of the use cases that, of where we have, you know, if I think about, you know, Maximus, for example, one of the, the, the big um, organizations we work with in, from, in the BPO space, go and have a look at the use case and, uh, on that space and uh, convince yourself that way. <laughs> I love it. Well, I, you started with a, just a, a raw process audit. Let, let's just see how, what the process is like right now. If that doesn't convince you, don't know what else will, right? Exactly. Hey, uh, Luke, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me to educate me on what uh, w some of the work that you're doing. And to, we've got resources uh, in the show notes, wherever you're listening to the podcast, swipe up, swipe sideways, wh whichever direction swipes take you to get to those links and notes. They're all in there where you can find out more about Upland uh, software tools that Luke has mentioned today. And uh, where would you like to, do you want to send people uh, to any uh, link to hook up with you ask you questions is that is that open for business luke or absolutely look if if you want to connect with me linkedin is a absolutely great channel um so pretty easy to find me there luke jamison and uh you know i i pretty pretty active on on twitter as well and i like to keep that all very positive for me i think uh twitter is a very negative place and so uh my, my goal is to make that way more positive so that's at luke cxex outstanding Links in the show notes. Everybody, thank you so much for downloading and listening to this show. We appreciate your time and attention. On behalf of Luke Jamison, I'm Pete Wright. We'll see you next time right here on Connected Knowledge.